Hello, welcome to Baby Boomer's Guide to Life in the 21st Century. I'm Patricia Amflett. You might know me as Little Patty. And he is... And I'm Lex Marinos. And you might know me as Lex Marinos. <laughs> or Big Lex. Big Lex. That's right. We have a real treasure with us today, taking us to Nostalgia Town. He is the Reverend Bill Cruz AM. We all know he's a much-loved Australian who has spent his entire adult life in the service of others. He is a passionate supporter of the homeless and the needy. He's never afraid to speak out against injustice. He expresses views that don't always align with his church, such as supporting gay marriage and voluntary assisted dying. In his book, 12 Rules for Living a Better Life, published last year, Bill talks about experiences that have shaped his life as a Uniting Church minister and his friendship with His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. A big welcome, Bill. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you. It's an honour to be here. Would you be able to tell us at least some of those 12 rules? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, one will do, two will do. The difference between empathy and sympathy. Ah. Because we get really caught up with that particularly, that um, if you break your arm and your friend says, oh, I broke my arm and it's so painful, it's all about the friend. Mm. If the person says, oh, you're in such pain, it's the emphasis is on the person with the broken arm mm. and the person with the broken arm actually feels listened to and heard and the mm. story isn't taken and added to the other person's story, if you get what I mean. And I find it's being listened to that's healing. Yes, good listening's not always a big part of our everyday lives, is it? People no. uh, need to talk about themselves so much more nowadays, I feel, than they used to. Would this? Oh, Why? It just is. So It mm. was funny the other day because I was talking to this street person, you know, and he was telling me all about his bad life and all of this, you know, and then he looks at me. He says, how's your life, Bill? And I was having a bad day, a really bad day, you know. And hmm. so I told him and he looked at me and he goes, oh, shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought, I've been listening to you, you bugger, all this time, <laughs> doing all the empathy and I open up <laughs> and I get that back. And, uh, and I often like that, you know. <laughs> Serves him right, he asked yeah, the question. Right. Yeah. So, so that that's one. And always try and put yourself in the other person's shoes. That's mm. really important mm. because then we can get along together. You know, um, I, I, in the book I talk a lot about actually really listening. One of the things older people on their deathbed regret is all the loving things they haven't said to the people they love. Mm. So I've been encouraging people to say it now. Say it now. And there's the street guy I know, like the other one, you know, who I really love. And one day we were talking away and, and I said, you know, I really love you, Dwayne. And he goes, oh. <laughs> and we then started really talking mm. so that, um, often it's a risk in saying, look, I love you, but more often than not, the risk pays off. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of tried to make this thing that if I'm with someone, I think, what do I not want to go to my deathbed not having said and say it? And it 
kind of breaks all those barriers, you know. I think we're sort of stuck with that stiff upper lip English thing, aren't we, that uh, Very. it's not a good way to be. No. Let's go back a bit. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up really in St Mary's in Western Sydney, really. My parents, I came over from England when I was three. So, um, and my father came over and started a frozen chicken business like the Inghams. They were all starting at that time to export frozen chickens to England. But the business didn't go like Inghams did. <laughs> and he ended up going broke. But I ended up living out the back of, of St Mary's, Western Sydney. And with all the refugee people, all the, the people from World War Two, so there were, there were German kids, there were all the Eastern European kids, Italian, Greek. It was just a whole blancmange, <laughs> smorgasbord of nationalities. And I just loved it. I just loved it. And we would go wandering through the bush and all of that sort of stuff. Like, to my regret today, stealing birds' eggs, we'd climb the trees and pinch all the eggs, have contributed to the fall-off in the number of birds in Australia. <laughs> but it was just wonderful. I was really happy there. And then my father had to move, and we had to move, and it broke my heart. But that's mm. where we live. Most of the kids didn't have a cent to their name or a penny to their name mm. and had bare feet and all of that sort of stuff, lived in hesh and humpies in the bush, and it mm. was lovely. They were happy. They didn't know that yeah. in this day and age they'd certainly be called disadvantaged. They were no. living their lives with Just smiles on their faces. Yeah. Yes. Did you um, go straight from school into the church? No, I, I, it was a long process. I, um, well, I went to university. I studied electrical engineering and ended up with at AWA Microelectronics studying the properties of single crystal silicon. So, um, no, and, and I was doing all that and I didn't think I was the best research scientist in the world and was looking around and ended up at the domain listening to the speakers like John Webster and all mm. of that. And then he happened to mention he was speaking at the Wayside Chapel in King's Cross and I went up there to listen to him and it changed my life. Mm. Going into the King's Cross changed my life and it was through a process like that. That, that changed my life. How old were you when that change occurred? 26. So I'd lived a fair bit of life before mm. then. <laughs> what were the cultural influences, Bill, when you were growing up? Did you go to the movies, TV, rock yeah, and roll? Lots. Yes. I still really like going to the movies, you know. The, at St Mary's on a Saturday afternoon, all the kids would get together and go to the Crown Cinema. And we would watch whatever movie was on. I remember Calamity Jane and all those 1950s movies. And we'd do all the things like roll the jappers down the aisle, <laughs> all of that sort of stuff. It was, I've had a, a love of, um, of that for the, all my life. What about music? My mum loved Frank Sinatra. I remember him coming to Australia and, she sang to my dad she'd like to go, and my dad said, you're not going to that, you know. <laughs> All of that sort of stuff. <laughs> but I, I was, um, the radio was a big friend, you know. There was, the ABC had that, what was it called, the Argonauts Club, and, mm. and then there were all the serials on on 2GB and 2UE, I think it was. Used to listen to all of those sorts of things, mm. just part of all of that. 
Yeah, I think many of us, many baby boomers listening can relate to all that. They would have grown up with uh, the women wanting to see Frank and their partners going, you can't see him, as you know, you know you can't see him. <laughs> they managed to get there to see Frank and uh, they did. Uh, they were terrific times. I remember my mum wanting to see Frank and she did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, mine didn't. Yeah. <laughs> These days, look, I've been to your place, as you know, and, and love it, and I'm in awe of the amount of work that is done by you and your fantastic team every single day of the year. It's just mind-blowing, and I don't think Australia could ever thank you enough for that. Thank you. Is there any spare time? What do you do about your social world, or is that your social world? Basically, I like what I do. Mm. And being a minister, you get caught up in a whole lot of stuff. You know, mm. you can, you can, so everything I get involved in ends up ending up some way or other in a kind of a sermon mm. and my friends and my movies and I just like my life. That's I just great. see it the way I can say it that, um, even after, if I retired, I'd be doing this stuff. I, I can't see myself getting in a camper van and driving around Australia, you mm. know. Mm. But it, it would be nice, but no. You're fulfilled this way, and aren't we happy that you are? What's happened, though, is I've learned basically to say yes to everything that happened, everything. So mm. usually a lot of things you say yes to drop away, and you end up doing the most interesting things that you'd have never done had you not said yes to something. Mm. So, you know, and I find I travel along the way. like you. You might get invited somewhere to speak, so you go and you you visit. You do all this stuff anyway, you know, but it's mm. on the way. <laughs> mm. Bill, your ministry has been distinguished by your, in a sense, it seemed at the time unconventional approach to religion. The idea that religion wasn't something that just happened in a building with steeples and sermons and robes, and it was a more common man ministry. Did that ever bring you into opposition with the church? Oh, a lot of times, a lot of times. It's, it's it's being being yourself, particularly in the church, is quite a lonely sort of place because, well, there are things that go on that are just plain wrong. <laughs> mm. So when you call it out, people get angry. And the church, in a way, is very intellectual. And most people are more emotive. So there are lots of conflicts, lots and lots of conflicts. Like we, we're supposed to be a forgiving place and we're not. And we become a place where the righteous feel justified and they forget that Jesus always used to talk about it's the other way round. It's the other way round, you know. <laughs> Life is upside down. You know, if you feel yourself righteous, then you better watch yourself because you're probably on the wrong track. The Dalai Lama and your friendship is, I'm sure, very beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit, bit about him that most people wouldn't know? I know he's quick to laugh and that's that's so lovely, but so are you. He comes across as, I suppose the one thing I've learned, I learned, I've learned to watch people and he is himself no matter where. Most of us adapt our personality to the surroundings, you know? Yep. He allows the surroundings 
to adapt to him. <laughs> if you get what I mean. Sure so do. You always get the genuine issue. Mm-hmm. And he's very, very, very deep. I can't tell you how much I love him. We were sitting one day chatting and I said, um, take off your glasses and took off his glasses and um, we stared in each other's eyes. And I said, did you notice she disappeared as we stared? And he goes, yes. And I said, oh, that's what I think Jesus was talking about, about the kingdom of God. And he goes, <laughs> and he, there was just him and me and a lackey, and he summoned his lackey, and he went off and he got this obelisk, this crystal obelisk, and he drew on it a black cross with a felt pen. And he said to me, he gave it to me, and he said, take this as a gift from the Holy Spirit. And it was just moving, really moving. Mm. So there's something very, very special. Is that cross um, that he gave you, is that in a special place? Yeah, it's it's in my room here just behind me. Good, okay. I, I bear it a lot. <laughs> mm, I bet you do. Bill, do you, you're always such a, a positive, optimistic person, but don't you have moments of doubt and despair? Oh and, yeah, and wonder why why religion well, seems to not be able to solve the problems of the world. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, and I buried a little baby. It was basically stillborn, and we had a funeral, and they basically brought the baby out in a little casket, which was like a shoebox, and it was so tiny and vulnerable, and breaks your heart, you know. And I went, I do a lot of meditating and I went back and I realized that had happened throughout time. There were, there were mothers crying for tiny babies and (laughs) parents burying their children and people torturing one another. And yet what I've noticed is that's when you feel most loving. I found this with a couple who their baby had died and she and him were just broken. And in their brokenness, all they were talking about was the people they loved and who loved them. Mm. And I kind of thought, how in this most despairing time in your life can you be talking about love? Mm. And it was like looking right through her eyes, right into her very soul. And you saw this tiny candle flame that was flickering and it had almost been blown out, but it hadn't. And I think Ted Noss used to say, the, one of my the ministers who mentored me a lot, he used to say, if you want to find God, you find it in the hells of the world, not in all the religious places. Mm. And it's true, in the hells of life. If you mm. want to find love, if you want to find love that stands out, you find it in the hells of life. Bill, we know your busy life is uh, just goes on and on and it's great. What about something different? Do you have some fun in your life that you might do have on a regular basis? I, there, are, there are things I love doing. Um, I love going on that the, fa- the ferry to Manly. I love that, you know. I've got a friend who's... He was a Buddhist monk. He was a Buddhist abbot, you know, mm. and he decided he was missing out on the finer things of life like like um, alcohol and sex too much. <laughs> 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 oh, so 
he dropped out of that. And he and I wander the back streets of Bangkok a lot. And he talks Buddhist stuff and I talk Christian stuff or whatever. Mm. And it's just lovely, just mm. lovely, you know. I love the train trip from London to Edinburgh where you go all through the sea. I love being out in um, central Australia. There's uh, lots of things, lots of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's nice. And social friends, um, no doubt you have many, many friends, but we all seem to end up with just a handful of close great mates. Is that yeah. the case? Yeah. Mm. Lots of people want to be my friend for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd have that trouble, uh, Patty. You know yeah. That. You know, you never quite know. You That's know. right. That's exactly right. And um, <laughs> but we we try it all like each other and love love the yeah. handful. Yeah. <laughs> that suits us fine. Mm. And you have a lovely family, of course, and a grandchild. Yeah. On his or her way. A little one, another one on the way. Uh, yes. Another one. Uh, good on you. Yeah. In all your your travels, is there one special place you can think of where you felt the spirit of Christianity more than anywhere else? On the streets of King's Cross in the 70s with the homeless mm. and runaway kids, definitely. And believe it or not, Bangkok Railway Station. <laughs> Mm. Bangkok Railway Station is where all the homeless kids from all over Southeast Asia gather. Mm. <laughs> and it's a human jungle. It is just amazing. And you get Buddhists, Muslims, you name it. And everybody somehow, because they're all in between train journeys, <laughs> cope with each other. And mm. it's an amazing place to be. Mm. Amazing place. It's and and also in a lot of the refugee camps. That's where you find it. Mm. That's where you find it. Bill, it's almost time for us to say bye bye. But yeah. you told us about two of your the twelve rules. Come on, can you t- give us another one, please? The amazing healing effect of time. Lots of things happen right now, and you think, oh my gosh. But if you step back, meditate, take time. Often the problems solve themselves. <laughs> That's true, but you need to be old ducks like us to realise that, don't oh, you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I often think, gosh, I wish I had this knowledge when I was younger, you know. Mm. But the main one is meditate. Meditate. Yeah. Very meditate. interesting. Okay. And, of course, we would encourage our listeners to uh, buy a copy of the book, 12 Rules for a Better Life, the Reverend yeah. Bill Cruz. And we thank you so much, Reverend Bill Cruz. It's lovely to have had you with us.